When I was a young mom, I kind of had a cycle. If I would give it my all, I'd grow really fast. I'd feel guilty about the time I was taking away from my kids. And I would either stop cold turkey or I would sell off the company. It was really just about doing what was right for my family during that time and creating a system for us. Systems changed my life. So there wasn't always balance, but my kids have also never known anything differently. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today, Jamie Finley, co-founder of Evolve Workshops, joins me for a conversation about parenthood and business. While Jamie might be most recognizable in the context of Evolve, she actually runs four businesses and has quite the entrepreneurial background, which I think makes this conversation about parenthood and business that much more interesting. Jamie is a mom of four, and we dive into chatting about how becoming a mother impacted her business and tips she has for running a business while raising a family. I really enjoyed our conversation, and as I think you'll hear during the episode, Jamie's insight led me to do some of my own reflection on fatherhood and business. Before we get to the episode, if you're a photographer looking for a community-oriented conference or workshop that also provides some great education, check out what Evolve has going on. I'll link to their website in the show notes, but they typically hold conferences and workshops in some pretty awesome places. Think Palm Springs and Greece. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And like I said, I want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands at Book podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davy and Krista Facebook page, send us a message there, or you can also DM us on Instagram at Davy and Krista. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back to the Brands at Book show. We have Jamie Finley, founder of many businesses, but I met her through Evolve. And I actually met her at United this past week. So Jamie, I'm excited to have you on the Branson Book Podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you, Davey. It was great meeting you at United because I've heard so much about the Evolve Workshops and the Evolve Conference. And so it was great to finally put a face with the name. I'm excited to hear more about that. And we'll we'll talk more about that. We're today talking about motherhood and business. And especially working as a husband and wife team, Chris and I are asked about sort of family stuff and working from home. And, you know, since we've had Jack asked about, you know, parenting and business and stuff like that, I feel like I'm really still very much figuring this out, but you have four kids. And so you've had some time to reflect on this a little bit more. So I'm excited to dive into that with you as well. Good. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. It's probably the question I get asked the most. Probably for good reason, because it's just one of those things I've said on the podcast before, especially I just feel like Jack's changing so much, you know, naps, I mean, everything, nap schedules in particular. And so it's definitely interesting to balance working from home. So I'm excited to dig into that with you a little bit more. But 
We always spend the beginning of each episode, especially with new guests, diving into a little bit of your entrepreneurial journey. So I'd love to hear about your background in, you know, where you started, you know, what was the first business you started and how did that lead you here today being the owner of four different businesses? Oh man. So, you know, my story, I feel like, how do I compact 20 years of being a serial entrepreneur? But I guess it all started when I was younger. I always had to take care of myself. So based on the way that I was raised, there was a lot of responsibility put on my plate. And so I always had a job. From the age of 14 on, I always had a job. I worked and danced six hours a day. I was taking care of my home, doing all these different things with responsibility. And I don't know if something there infused in me this need to go do my own thing. But it wasn't very long into college where I was working three jobs, trying to stay out of debt, that I decided to try at-home sales. And that's kind of where I started. I was a Mary Kay rep back in the day when it was still super cool to be a Mary Kay rep. And I loved it. The hustle of going out there and getting every free trip I could get and the free car I could get and all the money and the girl time, like there was just something about it that I loved. And I had actually gone to school for um, apparel and textile design. So I wanted eventually to start my clothing company which took about 10 years. And during that time, I ran several small businesses. And about 10 years into my entrepreneur journey, I started a clothing company. And so I did that for seven years, design and manufacturing, had two boutiques, 30 girls selling for me. During that time, I was shooting all of our commercial imagery because I loved photography and I started with film. And so I loved the challenge of doing that. My creative outlet was definitely to take pictures for my clothing company. And so I continued that. And about seven years in, after we went online, I started to burn out. I was having a really hard time figuring out how to balance being a mom with running this business that never ended slash trying to do photography and being asked all the time to do photography. And so, um, That was kind of my journey was trying several things. And we'll talk about it a little when we talk about balance. Mm. But eventually it led me into making the decision to go into photography full time. So I sold my company and went in. So you sold your clothing company and you went into photography and you were primarily being asked to shoot people's, you know, weddings, portraits, family sessions. Was this because of the work you were doing, shooting your own line of clothing? Yeah. So initially I was seeking it out. I was looking for local families or portraits that I could practice lighting techniques on. So I was always asking to just shoot for free to create content to better my Mm. own knowledge of how my camera worked, especially coming from film into digital during that time. So from there it became, oh, well, you know, I heard you shot Davy's family. Do you want to do our family? And and at some point something clicked and I thought, yes, it's a hundred (laughs) dollars. I'm going to do this. It's going to cost you a hundred dollars. And they paid me a hundred dollars. And I was like, what? Like nobody works for me. I don't have a warehouse. Like I can just walk outside and go do something I love and get paid a hundred dollars. Like, and we were doing big business in my clothing company, but something about it was just like, seemed so much more fulfilling. So that's how it started. I didn't shoot commercial for other people for a long time. And it was probably a year into doing weddings or doing portraits before somebody asked me to do a wedding. And my first wedding was like $1,100. And I thought that was insane. They're giving me $1,100 <laughs> to go shoot a wedding, you know? And so from there, it just kind of morphed. But I do think it helped coming from business into the mindset of this is also a new business. 
Yeah. And I wonder even to uh, your experience as a, a Mary Kay rep, one thing I've noticed among people that I talk to who have some sort of sales background, I do think just that edge of being willing to talk about what you do. I mean, and as a salesperson, like people know a pitch is coming, right? But I think oh, that yeah. people who have some sort of sales experience, they're just way more comfortable talking about what they do and talking about things like pricing. So I, I have to imagine that helped get this business off the ground as well. Oh, absolutely. And it, Mary Kay wasn't the only direct sales I did. I mean, I mm-hmm. went from Mary Kay to several other ones. I burned that list to the ground, Davey. <laughs> I was like, hey, I got this new thing. I'm going to pitch this to you and I'm going to win this trip and I'm going to be on that stage. And I want you guys to buy into what I'm doing. And I always had so much passion about what I did put my time into that it helped. But transitioning to photos, you're right. Like nobody was talking about money. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about, I had no idea. Was it good? I got paid $1,100 on my first wedding. Was it bad? I Was I supposed to be making a certain number? Yeah. My first wedding was $400 and we thought we're going to be rich, you know? <laughs> so, and it's always fun and funny that. looking back on that. So I have yeah. respect for, you know, the fact that your first wedding was $1,100. Hey, you know, I was a hustler if anything, but I didn't know. I mean, there really weren't conversations around it. Like you said, nobody was talking about it, but it has always made me more comfortable, which is how I ended up where I am now, which is, so let's back up. So I am a photographer still full time. Mm -hmm. So I specialize now in lifestyle editorial and I do a lot of wedding destination weddings and I still shoot commercial. I still take local families and clients because I've had clients here for a very long time that I continue to serve. But from there, I started getting asked a lot to educate. And so I do my private coaching for that reason. A lot of people don't want to have conversations about the reality of business and what it actually takes to run a successful business and to make it past that two-year burnout point a lot of photographers hit. So it was all those years of running my own company that has transitioned me into helping other people do that. Yeah. And I have to imagine that running the clothing business really helped in that regard because you very much have to know your numbers when you're managing inventory, right? Absolutely. Whereas with photography, the barrier to entry is a little bit lower. I mean, sure, cameras and lenses definitely cost significant money, but it's, I think, a different kind of significant when of having like a warehouse with a bunch of inventory in it and understanding your margins And a lot of people can get into photography with cameras that aren't crazy expensive. So I think there is this, oh, well, oh, I already have this camera and somebody's asking me to shoot their family session for a couple hundred dollars. This is great. But there's not that awareness of the numbers. They know they like Mm -hmm. it. It's fulfilling. So I can definitely see how that would help you, I mean, grow your business, but then also why people would come to you and say, I really need help with the business side of things. Absolutely. You know, and I even having run a business for a long time, ran into that for a while of the money just continues to come. And I think the momentum is what throws most of us off as a photographer, because it's like, oh, you shot one person, then you have another person, now you have another wedding. And and it seems like everything's going so great until two years down the road, you're like, I have no idea what my cost of doing business is. I'm actually making $5,000 after my $100,000 I brought in in revenue, like it takes a while sometimes to learn those lessons when you are self-employed, especially in a creative industry, the way that it is. We don't have traditional overhead. We don't have, we have very little monthly expenses, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it has to come into pre-planning and organization and understanding what you're trying to work towards. But I, I think that's normal. I think most people run into that. Yeah, absolutely. And is this kind of what led you to start evolve. The first time 
I heard about Evolve was through Sean Gordon. And he was telling me that he was going to Greece for an Evolve workshop. And of course, my first question was, can I come? (laughs) As a member of KISS, he told me no. So, but anyways, people should be familiar with Sean. Sean did a uh, episode with us back somewhere in the 20s. So, so check that out. But tell us how Evolve uh, sort of came about. Yeah. So Evolve was kind of um, a blend of many things. Like I said, I had my photography business. I also had a full service studio, which I still have, which I was subleasing to other creatives that couldn't afford their own space. So that was already kind of in existence. And I had transitioned into photography after having a full staff. And like I said, I had sold my company and I was really lonely. And it seemed to me that things were very singular. Everybody was kind of on their own island, doing their own thing, not communicating about it. And so it actually started with an invitation from me to another girl who became one of the founders of Evolve to try to build connection and friendship. I was super lonely in my profession. And so from that simple invite... I decided to host an event at my studio. I said, let's open this up. Let's see how many photographers come. And community events were formed. Connections were made. And then after about two years, I realized I'm spending all my time helping this co-founder. I'm spending all my time helping other members of my community learn how to make money in business. But all these attendees would come to these community events and take beautiful pictures and leave broke with no idea where to go next. And so about two years into Evolve, we morphed into educational-based events, trying to help people who were struggling figure out how to make ends meet. And so it started very much as a community-based business, and it's still today is very much a community-based business. And you all host workshops all over the world, right? We do. We do anywhere from four to eight a year. It kind of depends on um, the different locations and the number of attendees we take. But we do those all around the world. Some are 15 or less, some are 50 or less. And once a year, we do a conference, which is a couple hundred people. And you have a conference coming up in San Francisco, right? We do. Yep. In February, we have our second annual conference. And just so people are aware of that, because we, and we typically mention these kinds of things at the end of the episode, but you know, after the content's done, I feel like not everybody hears about it. So I'd love to, to ask now, is that something that people can still sign up for this February, or is that have registration already closed for that? We actually just reopened registration. So we did Palm Springs conference back in April. We opened up 100 tickets and they were gone in 48 hours. And we wow. shut it down while we built our speaker list until the 1st of November. So it just opened up in three days. The full speaker list is out. So November 15th, everything's out, all the shoots, all the details. But yeah, we still have probably about 75 seats, is all. For this event, like I said, it did just open back up, but we're loving filling our community to a fuller capacity than we've been able to do when we have cut it off at 50. So it's going to be an amazing event and we have phenomenal support from our community there. Some really good representation. All right. Awesome. And I'll have to check back in with you when uh, this episode goes live and, and share an update about that. And hopefully for those of you listening, maybe ticket sales are still going and you'll be able to sign up for that. Um, but you're still doing workshops throughout the year, right? In addition to this conference. Yep. Even if this goes out and we're sold out for that event, we do events throughout the year. So we still will have probably four to five other events that we have on the calendar that we'll announce at the first of the year that they can join us in the US and also internationally. Any fun places? I feel like everywhere you go is fun. So that's not a fair question. Like Palm Springs is awesome. Greece is awesome. Any hints? Any hints? Well, you know, 
okay, I'm not going to spill the beans on you all the just locations say we're going yet, but yeah. <laughs> warmth. There is something that I have incorporated in every other company I've ever owned for 15 years, which is a humanitarian aspect. And so for 2020, we are bringing that into Evolve and we're putting on a really amazing community event, humanitarian event out of the country. So that's okay, probably awesome. what I'm the most excited about. Well, I'm excited to hear about it. And when you do release the dates and locations, we'll share them here on the podcast so that people can check those out, especially considering maybe the San Francisco event might be sold out by the time this episode goes live. But I do want to get into kind of the content for today. You had mentioned along the way, you became a mother and now you're a mom of four and you're still running four businesses. So yes, that sounds like a lot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have several dogs. We're, we have a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, I am just excited to dig in and hear about how you manage all of that because I'm managing two businesses now and I feel like sometimes I don't know if I can manage it all. So, <laughs> so I'm really excited to dig into this. What are some of the ways that, I guess, how did becoming a mother impact the businesses that you were starting? I mean, did you take any significant time off during that time period or is this you know, having a business was just kind of always a reality of your life? Kind of a mix of both. I feel like being a mom was something I'd always dreamt of since I was little. I had this vision how I was going to do things differently from how I was raised, how involved I wanted to be in their lives. I had this vision of what it would be. What I didn't realize was that this vision I had for myself as a mom would always be in direct competition with this inner need and desire I had to run my own company. And so it took me a very, very long time to find that, you know, elusive balance that everybody talked about. And when I was a young mom, I kind of had a cycle. If I would give it my all, I'd grow really fast. I'd feel guilty about the time I was taking away from my kids. And I would either stop cold turkey or I would sell off the company. It was kind of this mm. wash, rinse, repeat for a long while until I finally learned there really wasn't a balance. It was really just about doing what was right for my family during that time and creating a system for us. Systems changed my life. So it, there wasn't always balance, but my kids have also never known anything differently. So sure. it is kind of a mix of both what you asked. They've never not known mom running a business. They've never not known me traveling for my work. And people always ask that. How do you travel all the time? And don't you feel guilty? And you know, the mom guilt. Sure. But that's all my kids have known. And really essentially and wonderfully, I am gone maybe once a month for four to six days. And the other 25 days of the month, I'm present. I'm sitting in my office. Right now I'm sitting in my office. My daughter's walking past the glass doors. I can see her playing with the nanny. Like I'm still here. I'm still mom. But we had to find what worked for us. It doesn't work for everybody, but we had to figure out what worked for us. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, when, before Jack was born, Chris and I always I guess we didn't anticipate how challenging it would be to work from home. I mean, it's definitely a blessing. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. I think right. just as you said, it does give us this opportunity to be present in a way a typical nine to five really doesn't. But at the same time, it's like some work has to be done. And Jack at 17 months old definitely needs, like when he's awake, he needs attention. So I'm interested in hearing kind of what systems you put in place and just hearing a little bit more about what you mean by there not being a balance. Because honestly, I don't really love that word either. So could you tell us a little bit about you know some of these systems that you put in place and what you mean about there not really being a balance? Yeah, I think for a long time, I would look at others and I thought that there was this 
balance, you know? And so I always felt like I was behind. Mm -hmm. I was always frustrated. I was never getting things done. I was working really inefficiently where I felt like I worked all day, but they were in five minute increments. And so it truly took my entire day. I was short with my kids. I was irritated when they came in. Nothing felt right. I just felt out of whack. And so when I realized that it was okay to set limits, it was okay to ask for help. It was okay to find systems that I could automate and hire people to help me. That's when things started to make a difference for me because everybody talks about this balance. And I think you can feel balanced, but Mm -hmm. I think balance is elusive. It's truly customizable to your situation and what works for your family. And that's setting time limits and consciously working in specific time frames to accomplish one task and and just being a little more focused is one of the best things you can do as far as systemizing things but systems as a whole you can you can automate anything Davey. you know that it sure just takes sure time and organization <laughs> do you feel like there's sort of an added pressure on those of us who are entrepreneurs a lot of us i know who who listen to this podcast work from home do you feel like there's a little bit more pressure on us whether it should be there or not, you know, I guess in terms of parenting, because we are always at home, do you feel like there maybe there's even like a little bit of guilt there? Like, I mean, Jack's, I mean, right now he's sleeping uh, and I try to schedule these things during, that's one system I have trying to schedule as much while he's napping, but you know, in an hour he'll be up and I'll still have work to do. Do you feel like there's some added guilt there built in for us entrepreneurs who work from home? For sure. Guilt on ourselves or guilt others put on you? Probably both. Yeah, probably both. I think it's probably more on ourselves. You know, I think if we all were to, you know, I mean, just the conversation we're having right now, I doubt there's probably many other people who are putting guilt on us because I think most people, especially my friends who work nine to five, you know, they understand that they're at work from nine to five. They don't have a choice of, you know, engaging with their kids at three o'clock in the afternoon because they're at work, you know? So I, I would say it's probably more on us, but there's just this idea of being an entrepreneur in general, where it's like, oh, it's the four hour work week. And you can just, you can just take the afternoon off and be with your kids. And, you know, we, it definitely gives you some flexibility to do that. You know, like I can do things during the week that some of my friends who have nine to fives can't, but I also have uh, businesses to run, you know? So how do you, I guess the best thing that we can do is get into maybe some tips that you have for mothers in particular who are raising children while uh, running a business? Because I'd just be interested in hearing about, you know, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, how you balance being engaged uh, or how you manage that tension of being engaged with your kids and being the mom that it sounds like you want to be with also making sure that your businesses are running well and that you can you put food on your table. Yes. It's one, I think the number one thing I had to learn was to give myself grace I can't do it all and I can't do it all well all the time. I had to release myself from that expectation that I was putting on myself. I had to release myself from the projection I was taking from the community and what I assumed they thought about what I did. And I had to become okay with asking for some help. And when it comes to the tips, there's been a a million things that I've tried over the past 15 years. And one thing for me before I go into the tips was For a good period of my life, I had the word present, just be present on my computer, on my mirrors, everywhere. So that when my kids walked into my room, I would not be typing while I talked. I was not editing during our conversation. 
I was putting my hands down and turning my body and my attention towards them, even if it was for 30 seconds. And that helped a lot with feeling like I was fully engaged with my family. But as far as tips go, I really, really appreciate that point. And I think maybe because it's something that I struggle with. I remember talking with um, Nathan Holritz. So I don't think I've had him on the podcast, but he was at United as well from Photographers Edit. And maybe it was for his podcast. Uh, he had asked me like, oh, you know, how do you and Krista kind of turn it off at the end of the day and transition from work to, you know, just being at home as a family? And this might have even been before Jack, or it definitely was before Jack, because I thought to myself, oh, yeah, it's easy. You know, like we close the computers. But I think one thing I realized after Jack came was maybe I didn't shut it down as much as I really thought I did. You know, like when it's you and your spouse and the end of the day comes, yeah, sure, you can put the computers away, but I can kind of maybe in the back of my mind be thinking about work stuff. And I like work, you know, I like what I do. So I feel like it's not like difficult for me or it's not something that I want to avoid. But, you know, it's kind of in the back of my mind. I feel like with kids, though, since Jack's come, like he needs, when it's time with him, you know, like at the end of the day and it's time with him, he needs somebody to be fully engaged with him, you know? And so for me, I feel like that's been something I've been really trying to work on. I would say over the last 17 months of his life, just, you know, at the end of the day, truly shutting it down, you know, not letting my mind wander with, oh, you know, I want, oh, that'd be a great idea for a Facebook ad or, you know, whatever it might be and trying to be fully engaged with him. So I really really appreciate that advice of being present uh, and really do think it makes a huge difference, whether it be 30 seconds or longer. So anyways, didn't mean to kind of go off on a tangent there. I do think to add on to that, I feel like my kids felt more fulfilled when I started implementing that practice because it is as a business owner, I truly love to work. Like you said, that is my fun is coming up with things for work. But the older my kids got, and this was kind of an illusion, and I might burst your bubble here, Davey. I thought things would get easier the older my kids got, and it got harder the older my kids got because they have more things that they want to talk about, more activities they're involved in, and they need more focused time. I can't just sit and play Barbies while I'm doing phone stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. She knows if I'm talking and engaging with her versus working and just being a body. So the older my kids got, I started to realize, you know what? Time is my only non-renewable resource. I will never regret putting my phone down and snuggling in the morning with my daughter. I will Mm. never regret sitting and playing Barbies with her while 10 people are texting my phone asking about conference passes. I won't regret those things. I can always work and I can always work when they're gone. That's such a good reminder because again, that was a bubble that was burst for me pretty early. I mean, I I remember talking to Krista and Krista, I didn't do any babysitting or anything like that growing up. My siblings are close enough to me in age where I was never really, like I didn't have a younger sibling where I was taking care of them in any you know, similar capacity as I do take care of Jack. But I remember looking at Krista and being like, oh, it's going to be so much easier when he can walk you know, and her literally just <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah. Like, and as so many people listening to this podcast, I know a lot of them have families and kids are probably laughing at home too. Like little did you know? So yes, I guess that is a good reminder for me going forward, but also let's dive into those tips. So tip number one. Yes. Tip number one. So for me, and it took me a while to become this because I'm not naturally a morning person, but I realized that creating a morning routine really changed my effectiveness during the day. Having that time in the morning to do something that was just for me to reassess my goals. um, For me, that looks like 
meditation, prayer, scripture study, education, affirmations, anything for me that helps me put my mind in the right place. If I can start my day that way, I feel like I'm much more effective in my time management for the rest of the entire day. When I skip that, I'm doing the five minutes here and there. It's Mm. like the sprint that never ends, the 24-hour work day that I only probably needed two hours of conscious effort. So a morning routine for me, it is hard for moms, but I promise it is worth it to have even just an hour for yourself. Is this something that you do before your kids get up? I do. Yep. I do it before. There are some days that, you know, you got to have flexibility in your schedule. (laughs) And so there are days that it doesn't happen before. Sometimes it's while my daughter's eating cereal and she's watching YouTube. I saw a thing on Instagram the other day. It says, you are not a bad mom if your kid watches Netflix. And I thought, you know what? It's not. Sometimes I need 30 minutes to catch up on what's important to reassess my life a little bit and my mindset for the day. And it's okay. But as a whole, I try to do it before my kids are awake. Yeah, I think that's great. And that's something that's been a a vital part of Krista's routine since we had Jack as she gets up at 5.30, an hour and a half before Jack gets up. You know, She's able to do her quiet time and then dive into some work just so that she feels when the day you know, the day starts and, you know, Jack wakes up and needs whatever he needs that she is in kind of the right mental space to handle that. And again, I feel like I say this all the time on the podcast, but something that she's definitely taught me, you know, and and I've been grateful for, I don't think I would get up at 530 if it weren't for Krista turning over and literally making me get up, (laughs) but I'm grateful (laughs) that she doesn't and really does make a huge difference in the day. So morning routine, what about the next step? The next step that I wanted to tell me is to be flexible. Uh, be flexible in your schedule. Realize that as moms, we seriously have 20 things in the air at any one time. And we feel like anything can drop at any second if we're not careful. Like life is so busy. We're moving so fast. There's so many things that we're trying to accomplish that I've had to learn. It's okay to be flexible. It's okay if my son forgot something at home and I have to drop what I'm doing to go take it to him. It's okay if there was a conference call that I'm now 15 minutes late for. It's never ideal, but it's okay. And I had to give myself some grace and some boundaries of, you know what? Having a schedule is great, but I do need to be flexible when things change and not be so stuck on the rigidness of it and allow for that flexibility or I will go crazy and you'll go crazy. (laughs) Do you feel like you were a flexible person before having kids? Or do you feel like this was something that you were taught or learned after having kids? You know, I think I was always flexible just because my life was so chaotic. You know, so I was always kind of go with the flow. I would just figure it out. I kind of thrived on the chaos of, all right, it's go time. I got this. I can do it. I think the hardest thing for me was when it comes to business, you have to have some type of schedule built out for yourself to function. And, And so I felt like I was failing if I wasn't sticking to that schedule. And so I had to realize at some point, it's okay to be flexible. It's okay to be a combination of who Jamie was before kids and combine it with who I feel like I need to be as a business owner somewhere I have to fit in the middle right now. Yeah. Again, and maybe I'll just end up saying this has been a challenge <laughs> for every single one of your points. <laughs> I'm definitely heading in that direction right now. But you know, flexibility for me, I just feel like I'm the kind of person that either puts everything into it 
or nothing into it. And since having kids, I think a definite improvement is, you know, like when it comes to working out, you know, for me, it's important to have some sort of routine in place. So I don't have to think about, Hey, what I'm going to do today. You know, like I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do this, which is great. But you know, with kids, I mean, like it might be, Oh, Jack really needs something. So I have to go to the gym 15 minutes later, which means I only have 30 minutes to work out today, maybe. And I think in the past, I would have told myself, and this is pre-kids, uh, well, you know, 15 minutes is already gone. I might as well not go. Whereas with kids or with Jack, if I approached it that way, I would literally never go to the gym. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. And it's just taught me to, you know, okay, I have 20 minutes here to do this. And so I'm going to take advantage of that time. So, you know, I agree. I think that's definitely something that's even if you're not flexible, you know, it's a great tip, but I feel like you're going to have to learn it as a parent. Like there's just no, there's no way not to. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Kids are so wonderful, but they're so disruptive. And, you know, I had to learn that. So we fostered for a short time and and we will go back to it, but we had a teenager living with us. I have never had that principle be more pushed and stretched in my entire life than having to be flexible for another child. I thought I was used to what I was dealing with with my four. And then to bring in another child, I was like, okay, I'm learning. I have to be flexible. I have to reprioritize what is important to me. And sometimes my goals don't align with my priorities and I have to take a step back and reassess those. But being flexible plays a big part in that. And that's awesome that you fostered. I feel like that's something that Chris and I have been trying to discern a little bit more lately. So we'll have to chat about that at some point. I, feel- I would love to. I feel like there's just so many, uh, and there's been so many great examples in our, our lives of people who have fostered. Uh, so even at United, uh, Todd and Elisa Watson uh, have fostered in the past. Uh, Jihei Watson, she was also at United, uh, currently fosters. So uh, Devin Robinson was at United, he fosters. Yeah, Devin um, but and I anyways. had a good conversation about it. Yeah, it's challenging, but it's, we started with a family member, which was, I don't know, harder or harder or easier. I don't know what it I'm was. I'm sure it has but plenty of its own challenges. Yes, it did. So we'll have to have a conversation about it, but it it is a blessing. But the point is, there's always things that are going to change in our life and we just have mm-hmm. to be okay with this, making sure our priorities are in alignment with our goals. And that includes being flexible. Yeah. Yeah. So we have morning routine. We have be flexible. What about the third tip here? So my third tip was using a task list effectively. I'm a list maker. I am an obsessive list maker. In fact, if you could see my desk right now and my console, you would die laughing because I buy notebooks just because they're cute and I find them, <laughs> fill them. And then I have conversations and I can't find my notes. So that's obviously something I need to automate. But making a task list has never been hard for me. The hardest thing for me when I became a mom was using it effectively because there's so many things that happen throughout the day that I'm constantly thinking of that I need to do, or I'll be in the middle of a project and I think of something else to add to the list. The best tip that I always teach my coaching clients and I implement myself is if I think of something that goes on the master list, it does not go into today's list unless it is truly an emergency. And when I created that boundary for today, this is my list and this is what I'm going to tackle and anything else has to go off until tomorrow. It helped me actually feel like I was accomplishing something. The list actually had an end every single night. I felt more accomplished. I felt like I was working in a more cohesive and structured way than if my list continued to be added on or if I continued to lose focus on what it was actually needing to be done to do something new I had just thought of in the moment. So I think having a task list 
and making it for each day and only adding to it if it's an emergency and adding it secondary to the master list is one of the best things I've ever done as a mom. Yeah. Again, another great piece of advice. I think a bad habit I had to kick early in starting a business was adding things to my list the day of, which would distract me from like bigger priorities. But it was almost like a form of procrastination. You know, it was like, oh, I'm going to do this and add it to my list. It's something easy and I can cross it off. And it makes me feel like I achieved something. But really, it was just, I was adding to my list to procrastinate from some of these bigger items that I had to tackle. Totally. Does that make sense? Totally. And I do that with editing is probably the worst thing. There's a, have you ever had a session that you just don't want to edit? Like you're just not feeling it and you can find everything else in the world to do aside from editing. And if I just finished it, it would take me 30 minutes. I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what happens with my task list is I do start to prioritize the things that sound more fun versus the things that actually need to be done. Do you have any tips on like, uh, I guess how to create this task list? Do you have, it sounds like you're a paper and pen kind of person. Do you call. have an, yep. so you prefer the physical, you know, a, like a physical journal or planner to do this? I do, but I'm a huge weirdo. I, even if I do something that I've accomplished that I forgot to put on the list, I'll write it just to give myself a check mark. It's that yeah. crazy of an obsession. So I am very much a paper person, but I do have running lists in my phone, like in the notes section. I will keep yeah. running lists of different things and transfer them to paper, but they do always make it to paper. Even my mood board I'm staring at in front of me, I write out my goals and I go and I'll scribble it in. Of, I love checking boxes. I'm such a nerd that way. I prefer paper and pen too. There is one app that I love though. It's called To Do and it's spelled T-E-U-X-D-E-U-X. It Basically, it was whoever created it was trying to get as close to something simple like paper and pen, uh -huh. but it's the one app as far as like to-do lists go that I've used. I mean, I've had other stuff, project management tools and things like that come and go, you know, changing right. them up. But to do is something that I've used for as long as I can remember. Uh, might be something that you would really like as a kind of list paper and pen person, but it has lists automatically by day of the week. And then you can create kind of your own custom list under that. I have a feeling that you would love it. So it sounds like I will. Yes, I will. I use Asana for my team lists, but I, I use paper and pen just for myself. So I'll check that one out for my own day-to-day. -day. That sounds yeah. phenomenal. And it's super simple and it's not like a team thing. You can't, they are not building more features for it, but there is a great app, you know, that can be on your phone. So very much, I love it instead of something like notes, just because I feel like it keeps me better organized. But anyways, and for anybody else out there, I can't say enough great things about to do. So check that out. Any other like, kind of tips for to-do lists or should we move on to? Yeah. Well, I have a different tip for number four, but in that, I do think this could be number four or number five is creating systems and having things like that, mm. that you can automate where you know where your to-do list is, where you know where your notes are, is really great. Because you're talking about systems here that change your business, like HoneyBook, Asana, these things that I use in my business, I know how they work within my workflow for every mm -hmm. aspect of all four companies. And that's allowed me a lot more time to do these things like be flexible and be present and have my morning routine. So we definitely can't skip over the fact that having organized systems is a massive part of being able to accomplish these things. 
Yeah. And, and just off that as well. I mean, I think, you know, systems, things that you can automate in your business using different tools like that, super important. I know you have an assistant that helps you out. I just brought on an assistant that helps me out. That was really hard for me. I don't know if you had a similar experience. You had a team in the past, so that might've been something that you just kind of knew the value of a team in business. I guess I should ask, was that you? Did it Was it hard bringing <laughs> on people to oh. to kind of help you achieve the goals that you set out for your business? I'm laughing and I promise you anybody who works on my team is laughing because I'm still a massive control freak. The, my immediate <laughs> thought is, do I take 30 minutes to teach Davey how to do it or do I just do it? They're always yeah. like, what can I do? What do you want me to do? I got it. I got it. I got it. So releasing control is actually what my fourth point is. So it's funny you said that is you awesome. have to be okay asking for help. It is not natural for a lot of people. And I felt so bougie having a nanny for a while. And I thought, I don't want that. I don't want people to think that of me. I have to have a nanny, but I had to have a nanny, especially when Channing, mm -hmm. our youngest, was little. Our kids are quite spread out. So we have 15, who's a sophomore, 12, who's a seventh grader, and then Cash is a third grader and Channing just went to kindergarten. So we had a big gap. And when my younger two were little, I couldn't continue to work at the volume without having help. I also hired a housekeeper about two years ago that comes every other week and deep cleans. I had to relinquish control. And that comes with my team. Like I said, they do laugh because I'm still not great at it. But knowing that they can take any system that is in play and run it if I have to leave town, or I need to just be mom, or I don't feel good, or my kids don't feel good, that has helped. That always keeps things running. And so it's hard to do. But it's definitely one of the top four things I would say. You've got to figure out where you need the help and be okay asking for the help. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I think we had a very similar experience. You know, when Jack was born, just thinking, oh, we can we can do this. I mean, he's at home. We can split up the day and take care of him ourselves. We don't need to do, you know, childcare or, or hire a nanny or anything like that. And I think we quickly found out like, no, we actually do need at least a few hours a day of uninterrupted work time that we can count on. But having that same fear of like, oh, well, what are people going to think? You know, I think in both ways too, like, Oh, and, and Nanny does sound like maybe a little bougie, but then also like people saying, well, you work from home. Like, why do you need this? And almost justifying to ourselves, like, you know, why do we need this? But really has made a huge difference in, in our workday and just kind of reminding ourselves too, that most people go to work for the day, you know, and they have this dedicated time to work. And so building out time in our day to do the same and then and while this is something that I know I personally and Krista does a much better job of this than I do, but like you said at the beginning of this episode, just being present as well. I just brought on an assistant. It's something that I joke, you know, this is our like our most recent team member hire, and it probably should have been my very first team member hire, but I was the <laughs> the same way. Like I just, you know, it's easier for me to do it. And it's funny, I mean, she's only been on the team for uh she's been on the team for less than a month, but I'm like, why? Did I not do this years ago? Right. It just right. makes such a big difference. It does. And I think a lot of people don't actually care what we do. We just assume they care what we do. Mm. And, you know, even today was funny. I had the same system for years, but I'm sitting in my office and the cleaners are cleaning around me. And I already feel guilty. Like, what do they think of me sitting here in my office? You know, you're, you're cleaning my house and they don't realize that I work a 60 hour work week. And then mm -hmm. in comes the nanny to take care of Channing so I can get on this call with you. 
you know, and I'm sitting here thinking this guilt of what do people think, but I need it. And it's, it's okay to say that I need it. The thing too, that I want to touch on. And as you were talking, you guys are really blessed to work together. So you understand the challenge from working from home. I think a lot of moms are listening to this and they don't have the help in that way. They don't have a spouse Mm. who understands what they are taking on. And that was really hard for me. Ryan is great. It took us a long time to get there. But for a long time, I was working more hours than he was working. And I still had to be a mom full time. I still had night duty. I still had a house to clean. I had laundry to fold. I had church callings that I was trying to hold. There were so many things that I was doing that weren't equal because I was afraid to say I couldn't do it all. I wanted the assumption that I could do it all. And I think a lot of moms are in that boat. They're trying to run a business. They're afraid to tell their spouse how much time it actually takes to accomplish their goal. And a lot of them are working really ineffectively. So they're stressed and they're overwhelmed. And I think that's why I know that's why we have a two year burnout rate is because we don't ask for help. We're not communicating effectively. And we don't have systems in place to help us continue a business when we're exhausted. Yeah, that's a dynamic I didn't even I didn't even think of because like you said, Chris and I do, you know, we work with each other and we spend 99.9% of our time with each other. So I think we very much realize, oh, you know, like the attention that certain things of our in our lives need. But, you know, I'm thinking about some of my friends who work a more traditional nine to five and they don't even really understand like, you know, like, what do you mean? You can't just like you can go to the gym anytime you want. You can, you know, why can't you go do this? You know, this and that. It's like, no, I actually like I have meetings and I have obligations and I have a, you know, a business to run. So, I mean, I didn't even think about that dynamic of people who have a spouse. I could see how that being that's difficult for somebody who's not in it, somebody who's not running a business and thinking about all components of it to really understand how much goes into it, you know, especially when working from home seems so glamorous. I do. My dad did at some point, my dad had worked from home, but he worked for a big company, but he just happened to work from home. And I remember him and my mom getting in a few, not anything crazy, but a few arguments about it because, you know, my mom wondering, well, why can't you just do this with the kids? And my dad being like, no, I actually have work to do. You know, I actually have work to do. It's even though I'm at home, I actually have work to do. So that's such a good point. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I would venture to say most of your listeners that are parents are fall in that category. And I want to encourage them just have that conversation with your spouse because I felt guilty telling my spouse, I can't do it all. I literally cannot keep up my business and accomplish my goals and do everything by myself. And I felt like I was failing him by not making sure he had underwear in his drawer every time he opened it and and not making Mm -hmm. sure there were never dishes in the sink or whatever it is the family dynamic is. And it took me a while to be okay asking for that help, but it does help. And secondary to that, and I hope it's okay and I hope you have time, But my thought is thinking of a lot of us chase goals that aren't actually in alignment with what we want to do. And I think that's kind of this new trend of not even a new trend about the last year of let's become six figure photographers. Well, being a six figure photographer is a lot of work. And I recently had a coaching client that we sat down and I said, what do you really want to do? Well, I should be a six figure photographer. I've been in business this long. I said, but what do you want? What works for you and your family? And when it came down to it, $2,000 a month changed their financial trajectory for their family. That, when we broke it down, was 13 hours a week. That was all she needed was 13 hours a week 
to accomplish a goal that changed her family's life and gave her back the freedom that she wanted. But in her head, she thought, one, I can't ask for help. I can't tell people I'm drowning. And two, I think this goal is what I'm supposed to work towards. And so as a mom, more than ever, you have to know what do you really want and what do you really have time for and how much do you really need to make? Because your kids will grow up and then you have all the time in the world, right? And I think we forget we don't have to do everything in a compacted two or five year plan, but being clear on that and not trying to create a task list based on what we think somebody else is doing is essential to our own mental health. Yeah, that's such a powerful question. And I wonder too, I bet that could be applied to all sorts of different areas of business. Um, because I do think, you know, whether it be six figures or something else that we, we set these weird arbitrary, you know, goals for ourselves that don't actually match up with success. So, you know, one thing that I've noticed, I think that at least the, the business people that I admire the most seem to ask kind of the best questions like that. Yeah, I think, and it's okay to, it's, it's okay to redirect and pivot in our business. I, another example, I had a a mom had called me and she's a good friend of mine and she is just this close to seven figures and trying to stretch herself. She is so stretched so thin that she's sitting in a closet crying. She's exhausted with trying to balance it all. And that's what I asked her. I said, okay, so what happens at seven figures? What changes when you hit that goal? She goes, I don't know. I'm going to probably want eight figures. Eight figures. <laughs> yeah. And I said, okay, but is that in alignment with what your priority is? What is your priority? And she says, being a mom, being present. I said, do you need the money? No, I don't need the money. Okay. Then you have to be okay being clear in what it is that you need and then reassessing and pivoting from there. It is okay to be a $500 a month photographer if that's what you can handle right now. And it's okay to be an eight figure business owner. But it is totally okay to give yourself permission to pivot when those things become out of alignment. Yeah. And have you noticed this as well? Uh, One thing that Chris and I sometimes talk about are, you know, we see a lot of people really, you know, saying, oh, you know, I want to shoot, you know, 40 weddings a year. I want to do, you know, X. I'm, I'm really, you know, trying to do this or that in terms of volume and then getting there. Uh-huh. And then realizing, no, I really, <laughs> I really don't want to do this. And I feel like in photography, especially we see this where there's this, you know, building ton of volume and uh, weddings in particular, getting there, realizing maybe we didn't want to give up as many weekends as we thought. And, oh, well, maybe I'll try to do, you know, something like family or brand photography that doesn't take my time on the weekends. Uh, is that something that you've noticed as well? Yeah. Especially when it comes to destination. I think that's probably... I always get asked in coaching, how do I become a destination wedding photographer? I say, why? Why do you want (laughs) to be a destination wedding photographer? If I could go make the same amount of money and drive down the street and come home to my kids each night, I would do that a hundred times over. I definitely don't do destination weddings for the enjoyment of it. I do it because it allows me to work less. And so if that's the case, then yes, I'll teach you how to do that. But if it's this illusion of success, and what other people are chasing, you got to let those things go. It's not the same for everybody. It's not a one fit. It's not a one stop shop. Like we all have to be able to be okay with that. But you're totally yeah, right. That those are the questions people get trapped in. 
And that's so funny too about the destination wedding stuff because I remember getting our first destination wedding and thinking to myself, oh, this is awesome. And then going through you know everything that just goes into that and looking at Chris afterwards and being like, and we're fortunate to live in Annapolis. Like we have you know, a ton of great wedding venues 15 minutes from us. But in that moment, realizing how nice it is to go 15 minutes down the road, make pretty much the same amount of money uh, after you consider some of the overhead that goes into, or at least how we were pricing ourselves. I'm sure you you do it in a much more effective way, you know, to take into account a lot of that overhead. But, you know, loving going 15 minutes down the road, being home at like 9.30 at night and sleeping in my own bed. But anyways, I digress. I would love to ask (laughs) you just as we close here, if there is any piece of advice or anything that you could go back and tell yourself prior to having kids, what would that be? What's that kind of one piece of advice that you'd give yourself? You know what? I'm going to shift it a little bit and I'm going to talk about what I would have wished I would have learned being a yeah, creative. Absolutely. Is that okay? Yeah. Because there's oh, a lot 100%. of things I would, I'd like to learn before yeah, I had kids. Yeah. But it's an unfair question. Being a creative, if I could go back in time and tell myself, you know, how to better prepare for having a family and doing this and what I needed, I would say it took me a long time to learn that I did not have to stand on an island and die alone. And what I mean by that is you do not have to be alone in your business. I know you take photos alone with a client and then we get trapped in this mental belief that becomes a physical scenario that we're doing this on our own. You know, we're an artist, we're a creative, we're whatever, but we're alone. And being alone is overwhelming, especially when you don't have the answers on what you're doing, if it's right, how to scale, how to spend my time, how to grow. And having a community connection really is what changed our industry. And I wish I would have known that when I started as a creative down a photography journey, that I needed others. I needed other islands to come together. I didn't have to die alone. I didn't have to have the answers by myself. And it was okay to ask other people what they were doing and then learn from that. I don't know if that's the answer that you want. But when I think of that, I think I really did come into this thinking, here I am on my island. I'm going to die on my island. and I'm all by myself. And as I've grown my community, especially through Evolve, but as I've grown it with other people like you and friends that I have, I wish I would have learned that lesson sooner, that it was Mm -hmm. okay to have conversations and to ask. Yeah. And I wasn't looking for anything in particular. And I think that's a great piece of advice. And I guess one follow-up from that, if you have a minute, what are some of the ways that you would recommend people doing that? You know, And I think it is something that so many people struggle with. And I think most people at some point in starting their their own business, most entrepreneurs, I would say, at least in the creative industry, have at some point felt sort of that, I guess, that sense of loneliness, you know, especially if we're a small team or we're working for ourselves. And that often takes place at home. We're not going into an office. So what are some of the ways that you would encourage people to sort of seek out this community and, and collaboration? Yeah, I always say I'm an introverted extrovert because people think I'm more extroverted than I am. But for me, it was really just starting by reaching out to another photographer in my community, trying to find a friend. When I go to these events, like you and I were just at United, my natural go-to is to sit in a corner and to people watch. But to force myself outside the box and have conversations with people like you and different people that I want to surround myself with, it's okay to seek out people who are like-minded because it gives us strength. And I was afraid to voice that. And I think really it comes down to getting outside that comfort zone and just finding some touch point, which is people in your local area or connecting with podcasts that you love or getting online and watching live things like find something that creates community for you 
You can do that however it works best for you. But there's so many options out there to force yourself out of that bubble. And Evolve is one of those options. Evolve, yeah. You know, <laughs> Evolve is one I think of those conferences options. in general, you know, I think conferences like Evolve and United, you know, just do such a great job. I mean, it's like you almost being at like summer camp for for adult business owners, you totally. know, just because and you I, get to see so many friends. It's finding the right one for you though, because different communities have different vibes and you have to find mm. where you fit. And that's, we went to United because Todd's a good friend. He's a supporter of Evolve. Um, Show It's been a sponsor of Evolve. I like Todd because what he believes in as far as community with United is very much what I believe in and what resonates with me as far as mm-hmm. building people. So you have to find what resonates with you. And it could be a totally different vibe. It could be something that's just business and work yourself to the bone. It's got to resonate with you. But there's a lot of options out there to find a home and to find your tribe. And there's a lot of people like myself and Davey that are creating these these outlets for people and Todd, because we're not doing it for ourselves. I don't have extra time. We're doing it because we know that community really is what changes our industry and Mm -hmm. we all need it, whether we know we need it or not. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, I thank you for your time today. I mean, so much great stuff in there. I think so much practical stuff too. I know that I appreciated, especially hearing from somebody who is who has just a little bit more experience than than I do, especially in the uh, in the parenting realm. Can you tell us where people can follow along? Of course, Evolve is one of those places, and for Evolve, that's going to be at evolveworkshops.org. As always, you can find all this information in the show notes as well. Uh, but where else can people follow along? Yeah. So Evolve is also on Instagram at Evolve Workshops. My personal account is The Landlocked Mermaid. I'm a California girl who got displaced into Idaho. So it's easy to remember The Landlocked Mermaid. And then I also have Jamie Finley Photography on Instagram as well, if you want to just follow work. Awesome. Well, all of those places will be linked to in the show notes. If you are one of those people who like listening while you are running or working out or driving. So you can find all of that in the show notes. I will also be sure to link to the next Evolve conference. And when the schedule is released for 2020, I'll link to those workshops as well in the show notes. And Jamie, can you remind me those are being released at the beginning of the year? At the beginning of the year. Yep. We want to close up the conference first before we announce everything for the new year. But we have some amazing really cool locations that we haven't done before. So I'm excited to share those with your listeners. Yeah. And I'm pumped to see them as well. I mean, you set the bar high with places like Palm Springs and Greece. So uh, excited to see what you have in store for 2020 and hear more about that. Hopefully we have Davey there this next time. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you again. And I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantKrista.com.